All right, Jonathan. It's been how many months have we been at this now? Getting through the book of Amos. Did we start? Did we start? I think we started in January. So it's it's been a four month journey, little by little, working through the book of Amos with you. And we've all, the whole book, the whole book, like an arrow, like a blinking giant billboard sign has been pointing to today. You you think I'm right about that? Huge, <laughs> huge, huge verses. I, I mean, I don't think I can overstate the case. If we if we rewind, like if we rewind, what we said is Amos is all about restoring the roar. And we've in 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 some ways like the law and the judgment and the condemnation of this of this book has has destroyed our roar and now today God wants to give us his roar, his hope and his future. And um so in that sense, yeah, like we are an amazing been, future too. We've been pointed at at what what Amos is going to give us here. Yeah, and we could talk about this in terms of law and gospel. I think I feel a bit a little bit nostalgic right now that since we're wrapping up the book here, and I remember the first podcast that we did, uh, we talked about all this law in the book of Amos, and you know we gave it. Um, we handled that and we, we discussed a little bit that's in podcast one, but here, you know, we looked at some gospel in Amos chapter seven, but now this is it. This is the big, huge Amos gospel. And so we really got to hit a home run out of this, Jonathan. <laughs> the pressure's on. Yeah, the pressure's really on. <laughs> we really... It won't be hard though, because of what's here. I'm not saying we're going to be good, but Amos is good. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And one thing I think I'm, we're going to love about this is that the way he preaches the gospel is the same that all the prophets and apostles and Jesus himself preach the gospel. It's just something that God does for us. It's something God gives to us um, out of his grace and mercy to sinners. And that's just the whole thing. You know, that here's, here's, here's one thing about Am- the, these verses and what we're going to be covering today is Amos 9. Uh, verses 11 to 15. These verses are actually so good (laughs) and so happy and so like happily ever after that some people think these verses don't even belong. They just can't believe that God would be this good. (laughs) It's funny that happens in a lot to a lot of books of the Bible, it reminds me of Job as well. Like people get to the end of Job and they're all frustrated and angry about it. Like, oh, it can't be that good. It can't be that fairy tale. It can't be that Disney. Um, but they don't know God's heart. And That's they don't the by faith part. How committed he is to this future. Uh, how much love he has, what he wants to bring about in our lives. It's all here. Um, it's all by faith. And Like just to see the uh the distinct change in the book of Amos remember the last verse we saw was Amos 9 verse 10 where it says all the sinners among my people will die by the sword all those who who say disaster will not overtake or meet us so that that's verse 9 and then we just get into verse verse 10 and excuse me verse 11 and it's just this amazing change 
right. so good. <laughs> right, right. And and I, maybe I will point out there's there is a, an aspect of faith that we're going to get into in this in what Amos is giving us here. Um, something to believe about the last times or an eschatological take on uh, on our future. Uh, but actually, uh, we're going to find out that the apostles teach us that there's something here that we don't take by faith. There's actually a fulfillment now. That's but we right. Should, we should get. Let's. We, we should, should maybe start with Amos. Yeah. Let's start there. Let's start with Amos, and uh, I'll read it. I'll read it, and then we'll get into it a little bit. Sounds here's, good. Yeah. Here's verse eleven. In that day, I will restore David's fallen shelter. I will repair its broken walls and restore its ruins and will rebuild it as it used to be so that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that bear my name declares the Lord who will do these things. So there's there's Amos giving us an incredible, incredible, how many times can I say that? promise of the gospel and i think maybe i should point out some of the some of the verbs in here that that amos gets so so he gives us restore he gives us repair he gives us restore again and he gives us rebuild so yeah. you have four hours timothy you got four hours i mean that's maybe beautiful. that's a nice little memory hook but yeah. you got Restoring, repairing, restoring, and rebuilding. Yeah. So you got you got a shelter being rebuilt. You got walls getting fixed. You got ruins getting put back the way they used to be. And this is just the first promise in these verses. We're going to actually see three promises. Yeah. the the The, the first promise is is right here, um, a restoration. And what specifically is he rebuilding, repairing? You well, know, yeah, I think, we, the, I think we have there's to talk the big about that. central <laughs> figure is uh, David. David's fallen tent. That's it. I love that. So we have to ring, you know, we, now we have to look at some more prophecy, right? Like we have to look at 2 Samuel 7. We, we have to got, talk about David. We got to talk about David. We got to talk about uh, how David was promised that his kingdom's never going to end. That yeah. God is God Most High is going to keep that thing going. It's what we call it's what we call a burrito lam. This is the that's the Hebrew for uh, a covenant of everlastingness, and it's just this this covenant this this promise that God makes that He says I'm going to love you. And one of the ways that He loves David is that He He gives David a perpetual throne. And like you said from Second Samuel there, and so David's David's tent fell, right? It fell. It's it caved in. It uh, because of sin and almost immediately, Timothy. Like it didn't. Yeah. it didn't last at all. Like his son, right after his son Solomon, boom, splits apart. So what does God say? He says, "I'm going to rise David's tent." <laughs> Does that make you think about anything? <laughs> I'm going to rise, yeah. I'm going to rise. Oh, man. I'm going to rise. Because the, the tent was falling. So think you, about Easter. The tent was dead. It, the tent was gone. 
And so what Amos promises is a risen Davidic tent. I, you know, how can you not see Jesus there? This is Jesus rising from the dead for us. That's a huge, maybe we should that's, point out, that's a huge biblical motif we'll talk about in the New Testament, especially is how do you tent? How do you tent in this world? Right, well, it's in yeah. your body. Mm-hmm. It's always in your body. Um, and the reason why it's a tent is it's only temporary. And and so Jesus was tenting among us. In fact, uh, the Apostle John, when you read him in Greek, is really explicit about that. He's tenting among us. He's here among us. And uh, again, he his tent falls and he's crucified and then he rises from the dead. As a risen, rebuilt Davidic tent. We could we could push on this a little bit more too, and just let people know that when Luke uh, writes his gospel, he is very specifically um, right there in early Luke when when Mary's given the promise of Jesus um, and the Annunciation from the angel. She's told you're going to bear God Most High. You're gonna you're going to have the royal one. You're going to have David. That's right. Yeah. And 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 he's the king of the people. Like the one of the things that we have to point out, it's not just like David, just the kings alive. It's the king and his people incorporated into him. And we would say by baptism. But it's right. Amos says it a little different way. Like he says, so that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that bear my name. So Amos is picturing not only David rising with his people, um, he, he, you know, the, just the Jewish people, but he's saying, all of the I'm going to put my name on all the people on Edom, and and Edom is like this pun. It's like a double entendre. You can you can notice the similarity even in in English between the word Adam and Edom, and in Hebrew it's you, you sort of kind of can't tell is he talking about Edom or Adam, and really he's talking about both, right? Because Adam is represents all humanity, so. All humanity is going to be incorporated in this tent. Or we could go with Edom and say, you know, Edom was named the most. When we we looked at uh, in Amos 1 and 2, the the oracles against the nations. And and those nations that were condemned for all that bad stuff, like ripping open pregnant women and stuff like that, this Davidic tent is going to incorporate them into this risen Davidic tent. They're going to get covered by that tent, protected by That's it. They're right. going to rise inside of it. And, a new king. And I think we should point out that you said it, that Edom's a primary nation here in Amos, but also a primary nation in the Pentateuch, in Moses' writing. So we've talked this whole podcast. That's just true, yeah. Being nostalgic together about how Amos is Pentateuchal, and he is Pentateuchal. He's, and in fact, in a stunning way, he's Pentateuchal because in the Pentateuch, Edom is always messing with God's people. 
Mm-hmm. You know, he's not going to let them come through to get to the promised land. He stops it's, them. Then they're, then they're warring and hurting Israel. And so in a stunning rhetorical reverse, Amos is coming back and saying, I'm going to take the people who are formerly hostile to God and to God's people and bring them into David's tent. Yeah. Which you have to, okay. It's like Jacob and Esau happening all over again. That's what this is. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And so in Hebrew, we talk about these people being goyim, right? These are, and to put it into New Testament terms, what this is really saying is, God wants Gentiles. Good. That's good news for me and you, huh, Jonathan? Yeah, that's good. I got, I got no, uh, you know, biological Jewish blood. Neither do you, obviously. Um, yeah, if I don't. But you got, you got God, you got God bringing in uh, non-Jews into His family. Or to use, yeah, He's bringing Gentiles in, or to use Amos's language, He's bringing Edom in. This warring brother, <laughs> this warring one, inveterate enemies uh, of God, bad dude. <laughs> which hopefully people are, you know, people are thinking Pauline language, like New Testament language, like the people who are far from God are, no longer are. The people who are at war with God's people, the Jews no longer are. They're they're knit into one family through one baptism and one spirit. And this is, you know, you and I are working through this sermon series on the book of Acts, and this is actually a big, huge deal um, issue in that early church. Like, for example, like how are, how are Gentiles supposed to be incorporated into the body of Christ, into this Jewish movement that was known as the way and later um, Christianity, but and it, it kind of came to a head then, right? In the Jerusalem Council, some people were saying you got to be circumcised and all this other stuff, and you got to follow Jewish cultural customs and, and all this stuff. And th- there's this big debate happening among the Christians at, at the time. And then James stands up, and there's this culminating moment in the debate about how do Gentiles come into the church, right? And what's James say? Or maybe we should say, who does James quote? Ooh, <laughs> ooh. Amos gets quoted. Oh, Amos. man. So what, this is what's amazing about it, and it makes perfect sense when you really think Amos about it. Amos 11, 9, 11, and 12, right? Yeah, that's right. And it, and it makes perfect sense because really... To put to use different terms to describe the, to describe what's happening here is how is it that you're saved? How is it that you're made right with God? And the church was teaching, and I'm going to quote here from Acts chapter 15, verse 11. They said, "We believe it is through great through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved, just as they are, just as the Gentiles are. Mm-hmm. So it's always by grace. Is it?" So it's not because we're circumcised, it's not because we follow certain religious rituals, but it's it's rather by by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then the big proof passage for this that James is going to uh, uh, offer up is is here from Amos. By the way, he drops the mic with this one. <laughs> 
What do you mean by that? He drops the mics because this this is what. Um, let me just read it because it's Boom. Luke is incredible here. <laughs> the whole assembly became silent as they listened oh, to the Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders that God had done among the Gentiles. So everybody's silent. Like you can just like, oh, they're like, no, no way, Gentiles. Yeah, that can't be happening with Gentiles. Then James stands up, the big gun, right? The big Jerusalem, big gun. And he's like, and he says, brothers, listen to me. (laughs) (laughs) And so he's like, this is going to be authoritative. This is a big deal. This is going to be a word from God. And then he says, the words of the prophet are in agreement with this. And then he quotes here, after this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it that the rest of mankind. Now he's. We have to talk There's about... There's Edom right there. there the yeah. rest of mankind. So he's interpreting Amos yeah. a little bit Like there. we said, Edom or Adam, you know. Yep. Yep. So it's the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things, that's, things known from long ago. That's our salvation, Jonathan, right there. Yeah. Like if even we a, can be saved. If you're a Gentile there, I mean, I hope you're jumping up and down. <laughs> Yeah, like they figure this out. Like, whoa, Gentiles can 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 enjoy the the promise of Amos and get in on this. And we should we should mention here that uh, this this part this part is actually something that is done. It's a fulfilled thing. This like is James it. was James was standing up and saying that in Christ the tent of David is rebuilt. Like it's done. And people are coming into the tent. Well, and you, Jesus rose from the dead, didn't he? Yeah. He he, he uh, ascended to heaven and is sitting at God's right hand, right? Jesus is king right now. We don't, like, we don't have to wait for some millennial reign to come, do we? Oh, now you went and did it. <laughs> now, you, now you went and did it. We, like, I mean, we, is Jesus look, king or not right now? Look, I mean, I think we... <laughs> We don't want to be too combative on this point, yeah. but I do. We do want to comfort. Like I want to comfort our listeners to say, like Christ's reign is here. You are a part of it by faith. You can rest in that. James wants you to rest in that. His Amos hand wants is you to on rest, us. Yeah. Rest in it. We have the rebuilt tent uh, of David, and and we're in it. We we've been told, and as people, as covenant people, we we've been grafted in as Gentiles. Yeah. And what what we're pushing back against, and you just mentioned it, and, and I'll speak to this a little bit because here I'm a pastor in the South, and what I want to push back against is this idea that that Christ has more work to do in terms of rebuilding the tent. It's it's fulfilled. Or you know, or there's some greater he's gonna reign a little bit better as king. Like, there's some kind of like new that political salvation that he's going to bring to this earth um i think i i think i will mention just just real quick that what what we're describing um in this fulfillment is the historical position of the church and i want to want to prove that to you by just reading from some words from a beautiful beautiful confession we call this the augsburg confessions first christian confession um that's truly ecumenical 
after the three ecumenical creeds and were written. And I'm going to read here what it says about uh, Jesus reigning. And it, it uses the word condemn, so just hang with me for a second, I'll explain it. They condemn also others who are now spreading certain Jewish opinions that before the resurrection of the dead, the godly shall take possession of the kingdom of the world. So, so what's that saying is um, it's condemning the idea that Jesus has to bring, out some, bring about some kind of political reign here on earth. Um, like his, his saving work isn't, isn't done yet. He's, he has right. to do more. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Jesus isn't going to come back a separate time between now and the resurrection from the dead to do more saving work. Mm-hmm. In yeah. fact, that even though that's probably, at least in the American South, and you can speak to your context, the probably the most common belief system that's, that's often called millennialism, that, that belief system was actually first proposed back in 1827. It's very, it's a novelty. <laughs> yeah, but and it was, yeah. let me just give people some real quick history. That was first proposed back in 1827 by a guy named John Darby. It got picked up in uh, sort of the gold standard for American evangelicals and fundamentalists in, in a Bible called the Schofield Reference Bible. And it's now pushed by Dallas, Dallas Theological Seminary. And then it got popularized by a guy named Tim LaHaye. And so people started seeing movies and read, read books about a view that actually Christianity's never held, which is this view that Jesus has got to do some more work here and, on earth. And I noticed the Augsburg Confession, I, I want you to clarify a little bit, calls this a Jewish opinion. You know, I have some really good... Um, I would call them like culturally Jewish, but they believers in Jesus Christ in my own church. And can you, what is a Jewish opinion then? You know, why do they say that? I think, and help me with this, Timothy, but I, I think what that's saying is that uh, we don't, we don't want to take Jesus and make his kingdom into a physical the only thing it's saying is we don't want to make Jesus reign into a physical, political rule. Like the reason why he came really was to kick the Romans out of Palestine or something. Yeah, like that. and well, the reason why they say Jewish opinions is because uh, the Jewish opinion is that Jesus, Jesus' life and death and suffering and uh, burial and resurrection from the dead, it, it means nothing. It didn't do anything for us, right? That's the Jewish opinion, and the Jewish opinion is looking, is still looking for the Messiah to come and for some greater messianic kingdom, right? Then, and, right. And, and we're saying no, no. Um, the Messiah has come and established his reign, and right, and the, in that, his death and resurrection, and now through his church, he reigns through his church. That's right. Yeah. Through his word, through his sacraments. And even maybe this is a sideway into the next section, but uh, there is a there is a now and not yet tension here, though. Would you agree with that? Like now we have this beautiful uh, Christian, um, fully saved group of people grafted in church, you know, Edom and Israel together. Um but there's a not yet. I mean, what, what's the not yet part? 
would you say? Well, or maybe well, we should read the rest of the verse. Let's see what Amos says about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So, so salvation is here and now, um, and yet we have hope in a beautiful future. And this is what Amos says the future looks like. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills, and I will bring my people Israel back from exile. They will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land I have given them, says the Lord. And then we have this huge gospel note, your God. So this is the That's future. That's the end of the book. That's it. <laughs> we just read, read Are the we done? The no, we got a comment on it. That's it. I was just I was just sitting here amazed, like, whoa, that's the end. <laughs> oh, I'm sad about it. <laughs> but it how can you be sad really when you have such an incredible, beautiful um picture of of the of the world that God wants to give us? Yeah. So we said, I mean, Timothy, let's put this in the context of what's happening here. This is an ultimate future. We got oh yeah, so let, let's kind of summarize a little bit. So we got we got a risen Davidic tent, and this is a sequence, isn't it? Risen Davidic tent, the grafting in of the church, and now we have this we have this Davidic future. And there's two promises in there. One one is a renewed creation, like that's one way you could say it, and the other one is the restoration of the land. See that. Um, what were you going to say, though? Well, here's what I want our, our, our listeners really to be thinking about is just envisioning this future that God has for them. What I mean, really what oh, you beautiful. have here is just, just to put this in the context again of the Pentateuch is you have Edenic language. You have Garden of Eden. Covenantal blessing. Yeah. God's, God's saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you back Eden. And it's over the top too. Like it's it's amazing. The reaper will be overtaken by the plowman. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy stuff. Like that is stuff's amazing. Growing abundance. so fast. Yeah. And maybe some people get excited about the the planter by the one treading grapes, new wine dripping from the mountains. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty phenomenal, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that is a a rich, abundant. Uh, creational blessing right there of a oh man yeah well so often um when when god talks about our future he he makes it sound like it's going to be one big party you know well, and i think when you look at that in the context of the book of amos you have all these rich people partying don't don't we? and their party just stink compared to this this it's nothing <laughs> It, it's yeah. It's like pulling up your Chevy next to a Benz, like <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Something like that. Maybe that even doesn't even do it justice. But and some, I, I do want to say this. Like some people say, oh, this is hyperbole. You know, this is 
this is really over the top. Amos is just trying to make an impression on you. And I, this is my personal take on it is I don't think it is hyperbole. I think it's the honest mm. to goodness truth. I think that the new heavens and the new earth are going to be exactly this good. I think we're going to have wine coming out of our ears. Um, I think people are going to be working in the fields, not knowing what to do with all the abundance. Because they will I make believe, gardens, eat their fruit. Oof. Yeah. I mean, I think it really is going to be this good. I will plant Israel in their own land, never to be uprooted again. Yeah, and that's we sh- we need to talk about that. I think that's the next thing here. You have verse 14 starting out saying, I will bring my people Israel back from exile. And so who is Israel? I mean, who is the new Israel? And again, we have to put this in the context of the New Testament, just like and Amos. And oh, Amos. And John. Amos, yeah. yeah. This is... This is the whole people of God. This is everyone in, in the, that risen Davidic tent. Inside of the, David's tent, inside of Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm going to bring them um, back from exile. And what is exile? Yeah, being away from God because of sin. And... It, it's For us, it's this life. We're actually in exile right now. Yeah, there's that kind of exile too, right? Yeah, I mean, because... I mean, Timothy, you and I have talked about that, like how God brings people out of exile, the ultimate exile, um, in the, or to use another term, is like exodus, right? We're going we're gonna to come back um, from the dead. That's a more a positive heaven. term than exile. Yeah, a new, into a new <laughs> heavens and a new earth, and you have that here. And then he says, he says they're going to rebuild ruined cities and live in them, which... You you can't, <laughs> the nature of this life is like we build houses and we make gardens and we d- actually don't live in them, at least not for very long, mm-hmm. not in the grand scheme of things. We, we make gardens and sometimes we eat their fruit and then sometimes we don't because we die. We plant things and then somebody else sometimes has to reap the harvest. And what he's saying here is this is a land where you're going to build and then live in it. This is a land where you're going to plant and then you're going to drink the wine. This is a it, land it's abundance of life and the presence of God. And it's just something that God decides to make happen, not because there's such great people, but because he loves us. And what I'm trying to point out is that it's everlasting. Like this is old never to be uprooted again. Yeah. This is an everlasting eternal life. Sometimes people read the old Testament. They don't see the eternal life that God is promising, but this is absolutely a promise of, of eternal life. (sighs) We, I think we just need to rest in this for a second. Just glory in it. Just the promise of God to be with us, to bless us, to graft us into the Davidic tent, to give us a land, to give us a new creation in Jesus' name. You know, this is this is it. This is a, the the whole goal. This is our whole future. And, I hope I hope people's yeah. imaginations like are coming alive too as we because in the sometimes I think we think of heaven as like this fairy dust sit on clouds kind of existence 
And Amos actually has a much better description of what it's going to be like. Yeah. He's, he's actually talking about a creational, incarnated, bodily, um, how do you say it, you know, existence. existence. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for Amos. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for his promises. Yeah. And There's more so importantly, for Jesus here. Christ. Yeah. How, how how do we how do we bring this podcast to a close? <laughs> well, I I have one suggestion. I'll I'll give it I'll give it my close, and then you give it your close. How's that sound? All right. I let, let's if I can't top yours, we'll just we'll just like say amen or something because that's what we do. <laughs> We're pastors, and <laughs> I want to well I want to close it like this. Like the last book, the last words of the book of Amos are this says the Lord, your God. And there's two things there that I want to point out. One is that he's the Lord, which means that he's a faithful covenant God. And we're going to trust him. He's going to bring this to pass, and we're going to trust him on that. He's the Lord. He's, he's not going to change on his word. He's not going to change on his promises to us. He's not going to go back on these words to us. And then finally, listen to what he says about himself. He says he's your God. He's a personal God. And we've known him just how personal he is in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is one who was incarnated. He became one of us. He lived with one of us, with all of us. And then he died for all of us. And then his tent was raised again for all of us. So we can come to new life that Amos is promising here. Too. So he's the Lord, and he's your God. That's my take at the end of the book of Amos. Now it's your turn. Uh, I'm going to say amen to that and pivot a little bit and just say thank you for, if you made it this far, you know, thank you for joining us on this journey that we took with Amos. Um, I know I've had fun talking through the book with you, Jonathan. It's been, been a really great time. This is Project 1517. Um, we want to... We want to get our message out into the world, and we want to be shaken by God's word like Luther was back in 1517, 500 years ago. And I, I don't think we're done. Are, are we still having fun? You know, Amos might be done, but are we done? <laughs> we got a few more books of the Bible to tackle. I think we're not we'll done see if yet. the Lord gives us grace to do it. But yeah, so we're, we want to. We're going to go on a little bit of a hiatus because this is a lot of work for us. But uh, we're going we're gonna to come back at you um, fall-ish, September-ish, right, Jonathan? Somewhere in there. That's a plan. And we're going to bring you the book of Jude. So uh, look forward to that. I know I am. And thanks for joining us for this journey uh, through the book of Amos, Project 1517.